Our reading is taken from John's Gospel, chapter 20, verses 19 to 31. And you can find it on page 112 in the New Testament section of the Bible. Beginning to read at verse 19. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails, and my hands in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other things in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Very good morning to you today. Let's pray as we think about this passage together. Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. Heavenly Father, do that amongst us this day, we pray. May the risen Jesus be our teacher. And may we join Thomas in proclaiming my Lord and my God. In Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder if you've ever been in the wrong place at the wrong time. Can you think of occasions in life where you've done that? You've not been in the right place at the right time. You've been in the wrong place at the wrong time. For me, one of the particularly humorous memories was after a cricket game here in Sheffield a few years ago when we used to live in Walkley. I'd played a game of cricket. I can't now actually remember whether we won or lost. But I came home exhausted from a 2020 game on a Friday night and decided to have an early night. Rebecca went out with some of her colleagues into town. And she texted me again and again and again and miscalled me again and again and again that night because she knew I'd want to have been where she was. 
She was a bar, in a bar in the centre of Sheffield. And there with her, next to my best friend, was Joe Root, the England captain of the time. <laughs> the cricket captain. And I'm a huge Joe Root fan. I'm a huge cricket fan. If you go into my house, you'll see a Pete McKee painting with the four famous Yorkshire cricketers, of which one of them is Joe Root. But I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. I was in bed asleep. And still to this day, we have this brilliant photo of Rebecca in the middle, Charlie Evers on one side, my dear friend, Joe Root on the other. I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Now, for you, Joe Root might not be a big deal. Some of you might live in Door and see him often. But for me, that was a big deal. I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Now, think about Thomas for a moment. Thomas was in the wrong place at the wrong time, but on an infinite scale. Did you see why? On Easter Sunday, Thomas missed out. Not the England captain, but the risen Lord Jesus Christ. He wasn't there. We don't know why. I was talking to someone this week. We know he has a twin. Was he out and about with him? We don't know. Was he despairing? Full of anger and disappointment that the Christ had died and gone forever. We don't know. But at the beginning of our passage, Thomas is not there. In fact, have a look down. If you've got the Bible, page 112, John slips it in after that first Easter Sunday. We're still on Easter Sunday. It's the evening of that first day of the week, we're told. In verse 24, Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with them. And if you know anything about Thomas, you know this episode. I had not realized there's 11 occasions when Thomas is mentioned in the whole Bible. And four of them are in our passage today. And it's Thomas's doubt and Thomas's belief that help us with our own doubt and our own belief today. So have a look what happens when Thomas finally turns up. Verse 24, Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. Can you imagine it? They've all been there. They've all seen the risen Jesus. He's come through the, the walls and the doors that were locked. And he said to them, peace be with you. And Jesus has said to those first disciples, this is me, look at my hands and look at my side where the spear was. And he says again to them, peace be with you. And then, can you imagine, they go to Thomas and say, you won't believe it, we've seen Jesus, he's alive. And Thomas says, you're dead right, I won't believe it. I will not believe it. Do you see what Thomas says? Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails, and my hand in his side, I will not believe. Thomas is the patron saint of doubt. He's the apostle of skepticism. Think of who the most cynical person about faith and Christianity is in your life. It might be you. Well, Thomas was like this, but more. If he couldn't see it, he wasn't going to believe it. You know what people say, dead men don't rise. Once we're dead, we stay dead. That was Thomas's perspective. That's what Thomas was thinking that Easter Sunday evening. How can I believe in something that I can't see? 
Haven't you thought that before? Haven't you heard others say that? Don't you think that sometimes? So let's learn from Thomas's doubt. He shares his doubts. It's interesting, isn't it? He says what he thinks. Church should be a place where we can share our doubts. I remember when I used to work with Christian Union students and uh, universities in Sheffield trying to help them think about life and faith. One of my colleagues used to say that it's a bad thing, it's a wrong thing when Christians are the ones with all the answers and no questions, but everyone else are the ones with questions and no answers. As Christians, we still have questions. We still have doubts. In fact, I was hearing of a very famous pastor in America just last week who was very honest with his congregation and said a few years previously, just as he was about to preach, he suddenly thought to himself, is it all true? Can I really believe it? Faith and doubt live side by side in the journey of the Christian. And Thomas's doubt and sharing of his doubt encourages us. Is our church, are our home groups, are our friendship here, are the clergy people that we can share our doubts with? It should be. Thomas shared them with the first believers, the first apostles. A week passes. A whole week passes. Did you notice that? Verse 27 or 26, a week later. In other words, Thomas has had a whole week with his doubts. The apostles have told him, we've seen the Lord, we've seen the Lord, we've seen the Lord. And a whole week passes. And then we read that Jesus came to meet him. Verse 26, a week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you we're thinking about our doubts Thomas doesn't just share his doubts he shows up and if you're someone today with lots of doubts lots of questions you're still here you've showed up Thomas doesn't just think about his doubts he remains amongst the people of faith and so let me encourage you don't doubt alone share them with others And you might actually find that that helps them to share some of their questions and their struggles as well. But Jesus shows up. More than Thomas showing up, Jesus does. Can you imagine how Thomas felt? He suddenly came face to face with the one he didn't think was still alive. And Jesus says for the third time, this time to Thomas, peace be with you. And Thomas sees with his own eyes the hands of Jesus and the side of Jesus. How would Jesus have reacted to Thomas? What would he have said? Well, Jesus knows our questions, our doubts, our fears, our struggles. He hears them even when we don't address them to him. And he's heard what Thomas has said. Do you notice that? He he knows what Thomas has been saying. And so he addresses Thomas, verse 27, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Do you see the patience, the love, the kindness, the tenderness of the risen Jesus to people like Thomas, people like you and I who doubt, who are skeptical, who have our questions? And the the words at the end of verse 29 
It's, it's don't, be a, don't be an unbeliever, be a believer. Don't disbelieve, believe. And we never know if Thomas ever does what he says and put his hand in the side of Jesus. If you've ever seen a painting of Jesus, of Jesus with Thomas, you'll probably have seen that. But all we hear from Thomas is extraordinary words, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my, my God. I like to picture Thomas bowing down in worship at that moment. The doubter has become a believer. And so what do we learn from Thomas's belief? This is probably the high point in the whole of John's Gospel. Next week we'll think about chapter 21. But most commentators, scholars say chapter 21 is an epilogue. It's a mopping up. It's a finishing off the tale. This is the high point of the whole gospel. This is where it's all been going. And Thomas says, as one Jewish man to another, my Lord and my God. Do you remember back at the beginning of the gospel, words we often hear at Christmas? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And we read that the word became flesh. And now, right at the end of the gospel, what do we have? The word of God right in front of Thomas. And Thomas says, yes, my Lord and my God. He worships him. Now, to get how radical this is, I think we're so used to thinking Jesus is God if we're Christians. Think of a Muslim friend or neighbor that you have. Imagine if they suddenly said Jesus is God. That's what it was like for Jewish people to acknowledge another human, a fellow friend, as God himself. Thomas, the most sceptical of doubters, becomes the great declarer of who Jesus is. And this doesn't mean that Thomas would never have had doubts again in his life. I'm sure he did. There would have been dark nights of his soul. There would have been circumstances and challenges that he fought with and faced. But he did that knowing that Jesus was his Lord and his God. Do you see how personal it is? My Lord. My God. And he would have gone through the rest of his life. And tradition tells us he went to India in about AD 52 and proclaimed to the people of India the risen Lord Jesus and died with a spear through his own side in AD 72. And this meeting with the risen Christ catapulted Thomas to take Jesus to others who'd never, ever heard. Thomas says these climactic words, my Lord and my God, and then Jesus turns to us and speaks to every believer who's ever lived on this planet, who's not seen Jesus. Did you see what he says? Verse 29, have you believed because you've seen me, Thomas? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Blessed are you today if you believe in Jesus, having not seen him. Blessed are you, Barbara, Ali. Blessed are you. Blessed are those here today, Richard and Will, who have not seen Jesus, but believe in him. And, and we think, well, how can we believe without seeing and John goes on to write these famous words, the summary of his gospel, verse 30. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples. There's many things that John didn't include. He couldn't say it all. But these things have been written so that you may believe 
that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing, have life in his name. Those first believers saw. In fact, in chapter 20, 15 times the word saw or seeing or looked comes up. And then at the end, Jesus says, blessed are you who haven't seen. We believe the testimony of those who were there. With anything we've never seen, we only in the end have the evidence and explanation, the testimony, the words of those who were there. And Thomas the greatest of cynics, the greatest of skeptics, the greatest of doubters, is given to us as the greatest of examples. He travels from doubt to belief, my Lord and my God, and he offers us an example too. And so as I conclude, what are we meant to do with this ourselves? How can we grow this faith in ourselves, this life in Jesus that John speaks of? Well, it's two simple things. One is to listen to the apostles' words and two is to look at the scars of Jesus. If we struggle in our faith, if we want to know Jesus more, if we're not sure if we can really believe, John says, this is the book, my words are there for you, that you might have life and have it to the full. We're to listen to the words of the apostles so that we can know life and life in all its fullness. And secondly, we're to look at the scars of Jesus. Look at his wounds. See his love for you here this morning. Scars that speak of sacrifice. Scars that speak of wounds of love for you. Scars that speak of peace and forgiveness. Scars that speak of a fresh start. I was talking to a friend this week and he said it's so difficult when people disappoint you and you feel burnt. Well, each and every one of us, like the disciples, like Thomas, have disappointed Jesus. They've let let Jesus down. And here is the one who loves us through our failures and out the other side, just as with Thomas. There's a famous poem by the British minister during the Second World War, Edward Shilito. And Shilito had a poem called Jesus of the Scars. His final verse reads, The other gods were strong, but thou wast weak. They rode, but thou didst stumble to a throne. But to our wounds, only God's wounds can speak. And not a god has wounds, but thou alone. To be human is to have wounds, Wounds that can be seen, wounds that can't be seen, wounds that others know, wounds that no one else knows. And yet, like Thomas, we can see the God whose wounds were there for us, because of us, and know his help and power in the struggles of our own lives. The blessing of believing in Jesus is given to each of us. That we would be like what the Apostle Peter said, though you have not seen him, you love him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. This is the testimony of every Christian. May we with Thomas say, my Lord and my God. Amen.